All right, Uncle Andy is just quitting with any bit of foreplay, any bit of pleasantries, just coming in hot. Did 10 of these rookie and sophomore drafts last night. One guy I kept getting in the drafts uh, with drafted Trey Lance and Justin Fields with his first and second round pick every time he could. I have seen the quarterbacks in those contests are uh, hot commodities. They are. Those are fun drafts, and I think that's one of the big uh, decision points is how you approach quarterback because there's a lot of opportunity cost you taking those quarterbacks, but, you know, if Trey Lance, we assume he's going to be the starter. Justin Fields is going to be the starter. They give you that rushing upside. You can't really catch that anywhere else. Uh, maybe you can with some of the rookies, but you certainly don't feel as comfortable with those, uh, like with Malik Willis. Because Malik Willis, maybe he gets the Trey Lance treatment and doesn't start. So that's, that's I think, one of the most interesting things about those drafts is, is quarterback. Uh, I like this. Yeah. Uh, Gretch had this idea. I... I like this. Why don't we just hop in one right now? And then maybe we can kind of talk about uh, how we're feeling about some of the ADPs, some of our thoughts. I did a couple of these with Spags earlier today, and it was definitely hard, like finding clean stacks, um, obviously with so much uncertainty. I haven't even thought about stacks. (laughs) It's just, I'm just like taking guys I like. <laughs> I mean, the stacks we got, we did one draft where we got the Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson. So that one made sense. And then we did, yeah. we had a, a, a late like Davis Mills, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan that we got as well. Yeah. That's kind of nice. I kind of yeah. like that. It was yeah, cheap. That's nice, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've done, a, I've taken Davis. Uh, did we take Davis Mills? I've taken him in some draft that done with somebody and stacked him with. Did we do a Davis Mills, Brevin Jordan? I think stack? we did. In okay. FFPC, I think we did. Because I think, and then Nico's the only other guy in the Texans. I mean, we don't know where Cooks is going to play, but I, I feel like it would make a, even in a regular draft, it would make sense to do a backdoor yeah. late Davis Mills, For Nico sure. Collins, Brevin Jordan stack. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. JXP is in the ship chasing discord. Tommy said he did 85 of these drafts <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> Whenever I think I have a problem, I realize I that, people honestly, are far greater. <laughs> I've spent weeks just diving into the wide receiver class, and you need to—you've got a problem, dude. <laughs> uh, I will say, I think we're probably all in agreement here. Massive tear break after Jamar. But we have Chase, the one on one. I haven't gotten the one on one yet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really I want to Chase... take Najee Harris, guys. I, want, I really want to <laughs> yeah. talk you into Najee Harris. <laughs> I've taken him at the one hundred two. Uh, I've I've done I've done I think four of these and I've gotten the one or two the one or three every time. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I mean I think Harris makes perfect sense of the one or two, but you got to take Chase. Yeah, he one. seems like he's almost in a tier of his own there too. As Evan said, we do have a friends and family draft. We got Casey at one two, <laughs> Billy Joe uh, three, and then uh, Evan here at the three four turn. I do think. And Pat, I'm curious your thoughts from doing a couple of these today too. That the quarterback stuff is kind of the most interesting. Yeah, strategic wrinkle. That's the that's the decision point. Um, there you go. Like, we, we got the Lance Fields guy. He took him at the. They dirt. love it. They love it. <laughs> I haven't doubled up like that, but um, I get it because you're kind of like locking everyone else out of that rushing upside. Yep. And I was just pulling up here real quick the set. So you're one QB, one running back. On yeah, two yeah, wide right. receiver, two flex. Um, yeah. So three good receiver options here, or you're going to miss out on Lance or uh, Lawrence if we don't take him with one of these two as well. I'm Elijah Moore here. Yeah, I'm good I'll, with that. I'll put more in the queue and then well, we can if you just want Lawrence, I kind of want to do ETN with him. I'm okay missing Lawrence. Yeah, I am too. Let's just skip the QBs. 
Yeah, I think yeah. I actually think if you're not taking Fields or Lance, then I, I've I've set out this uh, tier of quarterbacks. I'm just going rookies. Well, but I feel like ETN and Bryce uh, Brees Hall are better yeah. than Elijah Mitchell. Who do you do you guys want one of these? Yeah, I'd be here? down with like. I, oh, I'd be definitely down with Devontae Smith. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was gonna say the the other guy, but Amonra. Amonra. I mean, yeah. Let's do Devontae. He's the he's the safer pick with the draft capital and everything. The one thing is to pass if you are willing to punt quarterback. Like most teams aren't taking more than two. Sure, they can, but you're then kind of guaranteed QB seven and QB eight. You know, at that point. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've punted it once and I've normally tried to get like one, if I get a chance at fielder fields or Lance, then I'll, I'll take them. But, um, but I think punting is just totally fine. I do too. I mean, there's so much projection on these quarterbacks. It's not like we have a Joe Burrow, you know, heading into this season too. Like there, there's legit question marks on all these guys. Yeah. None of them were good last year. I mean, Mac no. Jones is the only Mac Jones was good last year, but he doesn't give you the fantasy ceiling. Yeah, JW, this is the exact combo that Spags and I did on one of our drafts earlier, and that's another thing probably to start to think about if you are ripping off eighty-five of these. Is people are getting funneled to combos? We mentioned that Lance Fields combo. Oh wow, uh, Lawrence does yeah, all the six Lawrence. Yeah, I'm good fine patience with yeah. there on that. <clears throat> and then, I mean. Mitchell's not bad here either. Yeah, at this point, I think Mitchell makes sense. The only yeah, other I like option, Michael Carter too. Um, the only other option I would say is you could do something like a Zach Wilson, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore thing, but we can just grab uh, Trevor Lawrence here to start. I think Lawrence at this point. And you and guys then, like Mitchell over Carter? I think I'm. Mitchell over Carter, um, just even thinking about the gap in their ADP and the season long stuff. I mean, Mitchell right. seems like a pretty good value here. Yeah, that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of how I'm thinking about it. I like Carter too, but and Mitchell was more productive, better offense. There, there's probably more competition for him to actually be the guy for the whole year in 2022, whereas Carter might have an easier path to do that. But Mitchell's upside feels bigger. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of why I like Carter and, and he was, uh, you know, he's, he's more of a pass catcher. Um, if things could kind of move in the right direction for him and things could move in the wrong direction for Mitchell. But, yeah, I, I like he, Mitchell. Casey's saying you're welcome because he passed scary. on Lawrence. Oh, yeah, he is for dead. sure. Mitchell's a kind of classic dead zone guy. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him in, in regular drafts right now. I mean, like, yeah, Moster's probably going to be back. Where, where else is Moster going to play? And, like, that could just yeah tank Mitchell right away. Wow. Exactly. Uh Casey continues to punt it. I mean, I'm I would love getting the Zach Wilson Yeah, back let's here. do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm into that. And let's get um, Ramondre too. Or do you like yeah, Walker, I'll tell you, Walker and Spiller, I think, are good values. Um Okay. I I'll think, leave that to I think you. both of them are good values. Know. And I think Ramondre, I don't know. It's like Uh-oh. Ramondre's good. We know that. Uh, but he's not gonna have the backfield to himself without an injury. The other guys are we're not sure if they're good, but I think they have a better chance of like their ADPs jumping up so, into like the six. Who do you like more? With you make the pick. Spot. So I like Walker more of the two rookies, but I, I'm, you know, you're not saying not to take Ramondre. He's he's frozen. No, I'm not saying not to take Ramondre. <laughs> yeah, we're taking Walker. Okay. I basically I was trying to didn't have enough time to like 
actually say it, but I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer there. It's like, what do you want? Do you want to swing for the upside of like getting a good landing spot with a rookie, or do you want a good player who is in a, an offense that will feed him if if things you know kind of shape up the right way? Yeah. Yeah, I still, I mean, that's what is fun about these different formats. It's like I've done a bunch of the big board drafts. Um, and I think I ended up getting one share of Elijah Mitchell where he fell to like the late fifth or early sixth. But otherwise, I just was way too rich for my blood. But then in a format like this, I think we got him at a, a good cost relative to the position. So who are we looking at here? The clock. Both, yeah, those guys all went. Uh, Casey's still on the clock here. Oh, so okay. he's sitting, I assume we're done at quarterback. Lawrence Wilson's a good duo i think let's see who he takes because bell okay so he took david bell i think david bell right now is like one of the keys to drafts as i've done more research this week i'm just like i think he's just an absolute smash so i was gonna pound the table for him but i like george pickens a lot here yeah i like george pickens a lot okay pickens has a huge ceiling like a huge ceiling and then who's the other pick do you you want you do you like any of these running backs pat uh i like kyron williams a lot uh i think he's He's got enough size. He's a he's a pass catcher. He's pretty interesting. Sorry, who? Ky- the Kyron top guy, Kyron. Kyron. Okay. <clears throat> and there's not outside of ETN. There's not a single relevant freshman or sophomore pass catcher on the Jags, right? I'm not think. I'm not forgetting anyone. Mm. I wanted to say Visca, but no, it's been too red, bad. Red, red, red shirt junior. <laughs> uh, red shirt freshman at this point. Yeah. Uh, this is a leading question from JW. Pat, would you say David Bell is? Oh, I would. I would say David Bell's a home <laughs> It's funny because we were doing this like baseball thing, and now I'm like, we should have just drafted him because I don't think we took him in that, that league we were in. Um, but I think like he, he, I'm more excited about him than you know, our boy Sky Moore. Uh, wow. He, he kind of looks like he, he's like an Allen Robinson type profile. Like it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. All right. You got Travis, really May, Travis May got me more excited about him. Is this our last pick? Uh, no, we do have a 12th rounder as oh. well after these two. Um, it has an ACL. I think, yeah, I'm not into Mechie at all. Uh, I, I mean, I, would I like Nico. Yeah. Nico seems fun here. What about Jalen Tolbert after that? What about going down to the next rookie? Because I don't really feel like Marshall. Well, I mean, the... honestly, we should take Sky Moore because we might not get him in the front yeah. of the family draft. Okay. Sky Moore is an he's an awesome prospect. Yeah. Let's if take... he gets draft capital, I mean, he might not get draft capital, and then he, he won't be an awesome prospect. But we're in the territory now where people are going to feel so gaslit that they can't tell if Sky Moore is a bit or if we genuinely like this dude. Well, the That's the thing we got about eleven oh one. No, I've taken him. I've took him in all four drafts that I did the, today because he was available in the twelfth round of every draft. Okay, uh, I mean, what what the people don't trainer. what the people don't realize is we flag planted Visca and all these other guys and Rondell who who failed so that we could just wait for the the right prospect that we could talk yeah. about constantly and no one would take because they think yeah. they were terrible at this and yes. we could just keep drafting him in every draft. Exactly right. We will hammer, and when we're right, we will be very right because yes, we do hammer be our guys. We do well, after stands. we make you this pick, I do think we should continue a little bit. I, I poked in and saw that conversation you were having in the Best Ball channel in the Deposit Kingdom Discord yeah. about Sky Moore, and I think we should. Uh, I think that's a good conversation to have relative to him being a bit or not. Yeah, I'm happy um, to talk, right. talk about Sky Moore because he, I think, has a huge range of outcomes in terms of 
you know, his pre-draft stuff. Are we on the clock? I think uh, Rashad White yes. is a really good pick. I, I don't know if we need the running back. Um, I think we Anthony, can be position agnostic here. Anthony Schwartz uh, is kind of interesting if we want another receiver. That's the one that I would be vaguely interested in. Unless you yeah, like a rookie. I don't know the rookies well enough. I, I, I think White's would be All my right. pick. He's a... He's got size and he's his outstanding in yards per yeah. run. We started and, with three straight receivers. Like, sorry to yeah. take four running backs in this one. Yeah. yeah, I've tried to take between three and four is what I've been doing. Um, um but yeah, let's um now we can kind of have a, a springboard for kind of talking about some of these guys here. What do you guys think is kind of the ideal? Um, obviously it changes a little bit depending on what you do early, but what's kind of like your ideal uh positional allocation for this oh for yeah positional i mean i would say this like two four six or i think you can even get away with two three seven it's one one two with one flex yeah so one qb one running back two uh pass catchers one flex and then seven bench so max running back points you could have in your starting lineup is two and i mean the reality is that there are going to be run, young running backs who see big workloads. I mean, this is one of those situations where you might actually want to be a little heavier on backs. Like I was kind of thinking yeah, broadly, you want the seven receiver, but this is a kind of tournament where if you wind up playing two running backs every week with some, like if you hit on some of these young running backs, you're in a good spot probably. And you don't, it, you only need two like, receivers. So if we have chase and right. Elijah Moore and Devonta, like we're not in a bad spot. Like I think you could do two, five, five. Yeah. It just kind of feels like you need to be right, right? Like yeah. it's a like you just need to pick the right players. Uh, so yeah. I don't know that the positional allocations are going to matter that much. I mean, that's why I do think. I mean, there is so little known correlations here that I do really. I mean, the fact that we got the Zach Wilson Elijah Moore at that cost. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of teams who got the Zach Wilson Elijah Moore stack with. Wilson in the six like that that's kind right. of unusual right there do you wish we could um, take in Michael Carter and and no like we we didn't think we'd get Wilson but yeah I guess there's scenarios where yeah where you just have the macro correlation where the Jets just I don't know are the Bengals the of this year smash. they just they just <laughs> smash and you, and you want every piece like, yeah yeah it's I possible <laughs> yes, everyone take notes. Just draft the best plays. Yeah. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. But if I we're betting on Wilson. Looser. Like I, I I mean, we're laughing about that. And, I, and it's funny to me too. But if we're betting on Wilson, if Wilson plays better, they have a you know a different regime in place. They they weren't great in year one, but a lot of cap space this offseason, some draft capital. They got a couple top ten picks. Like the Jets. They're not going to be the Bengals, but they could be a functional team next year for sure, especially if we're already betting on Wilson. I think I would rather have Carter knowing that we got Wilson for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I would too, but I just, you know, I didn't think we'd have Wilson, so. Yeah. Casey's team is interesting. He pushed that thought experiment to the max as far as waiting on quarterback. He took Pickett and Sam Howell as his only two quarterbacks yeah. uh, at the very end, which is, which is definitely pushing it. I like that. I, I think that yeah. that might be... Like you're not going to feel comfortable with a lot of those teams, and a lot of those teams will probably be like, will probably be dead because like maybe one of those, maybe Howell's a second round pick, you know, he doesn't really, he only starts like three games or something all season. Uh, but I do think that the way this rookie class shapes up at quarterback is that 
you know, there's, there's going to be at least three guys taken in the first round, maybe up to five guys taken in the first round. And the NFL is not very good at evaluating quarterbacks and we're worse. So I guess, you know, if a guy has like rushing ability um, and he's going to be a first round pick, then, you know, I think he's going to be a really strong value. The issue is we don't know which of these guys are going to be the first round picks because they're all kind of jumbled together. But I like Corral a lot. I like Howell because those guys have rushing upside as well. Um, at Willis, obviously. Uh, I, yeah, Pickett I think those guys are right. Pickett doesn't so much, but the argument for him would be he has a very high chance of being one of those quarterbacks selected in the first round. So he's kind of more like a, a cheaper Davis Mills or something. Um, right. The other thing Casey I, did that I really liked was he, I was making a comment before that maybe Najee was a clear uh, 102, but I was thinking as I was saying it that I would probably want to take Waddle 102, and I, I thought that was baller. I mean, I, Waddle is – I took Waddle really over nice Javante twice. I, I don't have Javante because I kept taking Waddle at the 103. Um, well, and too, I mean, it is a little spooky seeing that quote about melvin gordon potentially returning and then all of a sudden it's like are, are you are we really feeling good about javante williams as a one-two turn pick and full drafts or at the 102 in these drafts like there's a lot of risk there as much as we're excited about his talent right with a packers uh led franchise now you know the, the guys that came from the packers that have been platooning running backs for years i hope he Not starts exactly going in the late second I'll, i want to take him there every time oh, i mean yeah. Javon Gordon is. was good last year. He is older, and and the thing that we got out of Javante's rookie year was that he's good. Like he looks he's like good, really good. And so yeah, he's really good. It's still this bet on talent. It's still this. Well, yeah. if anything happens to Gordon, we have a top five pick. Basically, I mean, I, I would take him top five if Gordon was like injured in that scenario. Like Gordon's the guy they bring back. They don't really have a third running back, and Gordon gets hurt, and Javante's going to get the whole backfield. That's. Well, and, and they get a quarterback. I mean, if they get a quarterback, yeah. he is a top five pick. That's the only thing holding him back. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that take that if you get a discount on him, the risk reward is definitely there. But I do think just yeah, it's, it's a, a, little it's a little rich where he was going at the one two turn. Like, I'm, I'm not comfortable with him there right now. I agree. Yeah. So he'll probably um, end up settling in the middle of the second and then we won't have a clear play either way. Yeah, Pat, I want you to elaborate right. on the, uh, Quick discussion we were having about Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller. You also talked about Rashad White for a second. I don't know the running back, the running back class very well. I haven't dug as deep into the running back class. I feel more comfortable with the receivers, but um, basically, my my take on the running back class overall is that uh, there's three guys at the top: Brees Hall, who seems like fairly valued. It's one of those things where. Like kind of to the Javante point going in the mid-second. I, I feel that way a little bit about Breeze. I think he's probably a slight value, but um, but he's not like a screaming value like anywhere in these or the regular drafts. But he's kind of the number one guy. He's probably like a David Montgomery type, maybe a little bit better, kind of a Josh Jacobs type. Has Should size. Have some receiving ability. Has, has some size. Receiving. Capable receiver. Uh, elusive. But there doesn't seem to be like a strong consensus that he'll be – the first running back off the board. And so therefore I think Spiller and Walker are both really interesting because they have similar profiles. Uh, Spiller was not as much of a workhorse in college. So that's kind of the, the thing that separates him and Hall. And then Walker 
really was not used as a receiver in college. He has a 0.45 career yards per route run. That's about half of what Hall and Spiller have. But I was talking to Travis May, and he was he was saying that you know he thinks that that could be kind of system based for Walker, and that he was used as a receiver in high school. Like he 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 has like the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He thinks so. If that's true, then I think you know Walker has a a lot of upside. Uh, he was awesome this past year. So uh, so these are all like sort of similar backs. They all yeah. have adequate size. They all yeah. are sort of early down. We're hoping they have receiving. We've seen more receiving from Hall, Hall than I would have think about it. Uh, we've seen about the same receiving, like at least from a yards per hour perspective. Hall and Spiller are very similar. They're in like the, they're kind of like in the Cam Akers camp of like guy who is probably going to be fine as a receiver, but isn't necessarily going to be like, you know, like a really strong receiving talent. It's more like if a team is going to give him the workload, he'll be fine. Javante Williams is probably in a similar camp where it's like, that's not like why you drafted him, but you could certainly handle it if you treat him as a, as a three down guy, Mark Ingram, you know, those types of backs. Uh, but yeah, they, they all have decent size. Uh, all three of those guys, they're, they're all going to be like kind of around, between 210 and 220 and you know testing and everything will kind of help separate them probably but to me i'm like hey if if spiller gets drafted in the second and the other two get drafted in the third you're gonna be really happy you drafted spiller or if walker is that guy you know and i think that's plausible like it doesn't seem like the nfl is as excited about Brees hall as we are but i I do think that Brees hall is the best of the three right now but I like the discount that you're getting on the other two. So just, uh, I know this is a very hard uh, forecast just with how dependent these backs will likely be to landing spot. But just thinking through last year's kind of rookie running back ADP throughout the summer, you know, Najee second round pick, you had ETN and Javante kind of fifth, sixth round picks, Michael Carter, what eighth, ninth, like what realistic ADP bands do you see for, for these guys? Like, are all the guys we're discussing, like maybe going to be topped out at like a fourth, fifth round type ADP? Like, is there a second or third round ADP back in this group? I think Hall could maybe be that guy, like a third round pick. If he just like, is in the perfect situation. I, mean, I don't even know what that situation would be, but Atlanta, I mean like capital it, and yeah, maybe landing Atlanta. spot makes such a big difference with that. I mean, look at like Clyde Edwards yeah. Alaire. At this point in, in his year, we were not that stoked. And then the Chiefs decided to take him in the first round. We're like, oh, I mean, we were like people were excited about him, but he did not look like a guy who would be a second round redraft pick as a rookie. And then as soon as he landed right first round of the Chiefs, it was like, okay, he had, he's going that high. Yeah, that's that, that's a great point. Uh and and Sam points out that Walker right now in grinding the mocks has the best. Uh, expected draft position of the three, which is which goes right to my point of you know, you like Walker could be the guy who's drafted first. It, maybe he's the favorite to be drafted first. Um, I think that most likely it it kind of I think is going to turn out a little bit like what the twenty twenty rookie class outside of Jonathan Taylor and Ceh. But remember there was that group of guys that was like Dobbins, Acres, and Swift. It was all kind of like in the like mid mid fifth or maybe early fifth range. I think we'll probably see those guys, assuming 
And Taylor was only a little bit ahead of that. He was like fourth. I thought he was more like third. Yeah, in high stakes, definitely by the end. But early, like in earlier August, especially in more casual yeah. stuff, like you could get him in the fourth every time. Yeah, he was the guy that like was zooming up because I remember he was part of that hyper fragile strategy where there was a time where you could get Jonathan Taylor as your RB three, um, and then that just became harder and harder yeah, to do. Got, he started be, when he, when, he, when you started seeing him go off and like at the three oh three. That's when it was like okay, he's risen a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but at, see, I was just, just gonna going say in first round actually. Now that we think back to that, sorry to cut you off, but wasn't he like 106, 107 that year? Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> That's crazy. And I he went one hundred one in uh, FFPC drafts after the Thursday night game because he popped off. Remember that? <laughs> I think right. that was against oh New God. England where he That's had that right. massive yeah. game and he was just one hundred one across the board. And he still almost like paid it off just because that game was so massive. <laughs> I mean, I was oh, considering him at the 103 in a post Thursday night draft there with some other buddies. We ended up taking Camara, and that's a team that finished 19th overall. So that's funny now that you say that. Going all the way back to that, we drafted that one after the Thursday night game, and we were looking at at pick three with because we had already taken another team, same group with Camara at. I think we had the three slot in both our two drafts that we did. Yeah, and we did Camara in both, but. For those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about with the FFPC drafts, um, there's this dynamic with the live drafts in Vegas where a good chunk of them happen after the Thursday night games. And so you get to draft uh, with the knowledge of, of how that game played out. And you get to bank those points in your week one starting lineup. So it's this constant wrestling with, do I want to get off to a fast start? Like you book a win if you draft CH when he puts up 45, or do you not want to buy the top? on a guy who you think just had his best game of the season and it's all downhill. And I bring up Kamara because this was the year Kamara has the six TD game. I mean, that's why we finished 19th in the, in the right. shootout. Yeah. Like we fortunate, right? Cause we were d definitely discussing that. Yeah. So another question uh, in the chat well, here. Just, uh, I, oh, yeah. I want to just uh, finish up on the running back thing real quick that Brees Hall on this um, big board that uh, big board slow draft that I'm in, he went six Oh three. And so, like, maybe he moves up around if if he gets kind of like your average spot, maybe a round and a half. But then uh, Kenneth Walker, uh, I took at nine oh four, and then Spiller went at nine ten. So to me, it's like those guys. There's so much more room for them to move up, and not a ton of downside from there. So they're they're kind of priced much closer to their floor, I think. Yeah, and. Uh, Sam was also saying, uh, do we think Miami could potentially be the best landing spot for a running back? Yeah, that's a good call. I like that one a lot. It definitely yeah, seems good, like one sure. of the, one of the juicier ones. Um, he also tosses in, uh, yeah, Miami, Tampa Bay, lots of uncertainty there. Cardinals, if they don't retain Cardinals would be really either. good. If they're going to bring both guys go. back, right? I kind of think Connor might be back there and Edmonds might not be because Connor's the one who kind of stayed healthy. It was more reliable. You know how teams are about that stuff. And he was good last year. That'd be interesting if that's where they went with it. Yeah. Um, Connor what might was be I going to say? Oh, Pat, flesh out that uh, sneaky little comment you had about David Bell being uh, the key to drafts right now. What did you mean by that? So, the thing about David Bell that, like, at first I was thinking, you know, maybe he's not going to be all that highly drafted. 
but um, it seems like maybe he will be, you know, like a second round pick. If he's a second round pick, his profile is is really, really strong. And I think like compared to a guy like Sky Moore, you know, David Bell, I think probably has a better chance of, of being a second round pick because, you know, it wasn't in, in the Mac. Um, and he, okay, let me, here's some good things about Bell. He's going to play his entire rookie season at 21 years old uh, or nearly. He turns 22 in December. He uh, he broke out with a 34% yardage share, 53% touchdown share, 44% dominator rating as a sophomore. Uh, he had very strong career numbers, uh, 30, 30% career dominator rating. Uh, he was very efficient as a junior. He had 2.7 yards per route run, which is very strong. Uh He's he's pretty solid downfield. He's not like a big contested catch guy, even though he's kind of a larger receiver. He's not huge, but he's like 215. But he's not, unlike kind of Drake London, who's sort of like this jump ball guy, he looks like, you know, he's actually able to uh, get open, get targets, and uh, also draw targets deep as well as in the middle of the field. So it really just comes down to, you know, does he get the draft position and – was his inefficiency in the program like a because he was good in yards per out run, but he was not good in yards per target. So he's like, he's getting a lot of, he was earning targets at a high rate. He wasn't so good in terms of yards per target. So it, does that come down to Purdue kind of having an inefficient offense, which they did? Or, you know, does that say something about Bell? To me, it's like, if he goes in, in a, like a, a strong offense and he's able to earn targets at a really high rate and, and, given kind of his his profile and his production. Uh, I just think he, he profiles as a really high ceiling guy and a guy who could be ready right away. That's intriguing. And, and where are... And he's really cheap. He's really cheap. And you think he could be a, a day two guy? Yeah, I think he could be a day two guy. I think he'd be a round two guy. That'd be nice. And then would your kind of bullishness on him drop if he's a round three guy? It would drop a little bit, but um, with that type of profile, I'm still going to be pretty in if he's if he's round three. Yeah, and then also the uh, the conversation I was mentioning that I saw you having in the Best Ball channel in the Discord because uh, Anthony Amico had a tweet about how Sky Moore, uh, what got outproduced by D Eskridge in in college, yeah. and and you had some added context to what you thought might've been going on there. Yeah. Um, and I think Anthony's very, very high on Sky Moore, but he was just like, Oh God, he got bodied by Dwayne Eskridge <laughs> in 2020. Like this could be a problem. Yeah. Um, but I think the added context is uh, he, Sky Moore only played five games in 2020. And uh, he actually took a red shirt. Like he's technically a red shirt sophomore. Um, so I don't think we want to be like taking a ton of information away from his 2020 season uh, in terms of like shifting our perception of, of this player, but also Dwayne Eskridge was a fifth year senior. He had a 45% dominator rating that year. So like, you know, he's, he's going off. He's was a terrible pick by the Seahawks, like just an absolutely terrible pick, but Dwayne Eskridge is still like a professional NFL wide receiver. Like he was going to get drafted, you know? So, the fact that Sky Moore 
had a 26% dominator rating as a sophomore, which is like, that's just good kind of full stop. Like if you have a 26% dominator rating as a sophomore, that's, that's good. We'd like to see a big junior season, which he delivered, but there's nothing wrong with 26% dominator dominator rating as a sophomore. Um, The fact that he did that alongside a receiver who then got drafted in the second round and frankly is just an NFL wide receiver because we are dealing with a Western Michigan wide receiver. I mean, one of the concerns is who was he, was he playing next to anybody? Did he actually have target competition? To me, it's actually a good sign that he did. He had some real target competition and he who, still as you had pointed out, was pretty good three production. years older, three as years he, older. Yeah. yeah. Literally 23 years old that year. Sky Moore was 20. And I was pointing out in the discord, like, you know, Nelson Aguilar strongly outproduced Juju Smith Schuster as they overlapped. Like I just kind of like pulled up some guys that I, you know, I thought, would would come to mind. Nikhil Harry uh, kind of held Brandon IU completely in check. And he, they were the same uh, year, but Ayuk was a Juco transfer. So it was his first year in the program. Nikhil's uh, third year in the program. So you see this a lot where a guy's, you know, got a couple extra years in the program and he's older and he's able to dominate. And the other wide receiver isn't ready to take that full step into stardom at the college level yet. To me, there's like really no concern, especially because, again, he only played five games that season, and then he has this incredible junior year. Uh, and I don't know. There's just so much to like about Sky Moore because he also, you know, he played he played in the slot that year. Then he played on the outside in his uh, in his junior breakout year. So you you see that versatility because he was efficient in yards per route run in in the year with uh, Dwayne Eskridge, but he was even more efficient the year after. So to me, it's like kind of an interesting footnote that they played together, but it it's not the type of situation where you want to be like really strongly adjusting your opinion on a five game sample where the guy took a red shirt. Yeah. And, and I mean, to your point of it being a five game sample, he had a 26% dominant rating, like you said, and I just pulled it up. I mean, it was 29% yards, 23% TDs. And this is a, a tiny sample. I mean, it's, it's three TDs in five games. Literally, if he had one more TD in this tiny sample, his his dominator rating looks multiple a breakout percentage season, points probably. higher. It's probably yeah. a breakout season. I mean, we're talking about a very small sample. There's no telling that over multiple uh, more games. I mean, you put way more weight on the fact that he came out and had a 43% dominator rating in 2021, and also that he had 20% and it was 26% yards with 14% TDs. Like, it wasn't a big touchdown score, but as a true freshman, comes in 26% yards. Was Eskridge on the team that year in 2019? I mean, Eskridge was, was, hurt. Uh, was hurt. Eskridge only played two games in 2019. But still, I mean, any true freshman coming in and putting up 26% yards, you're excited about, right? Even at For Western sure. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be a, I think it would be a legitimate red flag if it was reversed or like not reversed, but to your point, let's say he scores two more touchdowns, he gets an actual breakout season in 2020. But Dwayne Eskridge has a 45% dominator rating. And then uh, Sky Moore doesn't have a very good 2021. So now his breakout season has this red flag of, well, it, he was getting completely out, outshined by Dwayne Eskridge, and it was his only good year. Is that something and we want to put a ton year. of stock in? Yeah. And it was a partial year. We've got a yeah. five-game sample where he was good, but not nearly as good as this other guy who we don't think is very good. 
and then he never we don't want to put any stock in that and, and we or i mean we wouldn't i i don't think i would and i think your point is that that we shouldn't the other way right like we, we shouldn't the other shouldn't. way yeah yeah if it was bullish it would be we shouldn't we shouldn't put too much stock in it it's like mildly bearish and i don't think we should put much stock in it this feels like a good a good profile I, I think we could, I think we could keep pumping this guy more bags. <laughs> I actually mean, think it's mildly bullish. My my take is that it's mildly bullish that he played alongside a, a legit NFL wide receiver uh, and had a twenty six percent dominant rating as a sophomore. But I would totally understand if you think it's mildly bearish. I was uh I think I forget was it your podcast with Travis Pat that I was listening to, but just in hindsight, what made Jamar Chase such a slam dunk having the benefit of knowing how he played alongside Justin Jefferson and that we saw Justin Jefferson crush. And like in hindsight, it just even seems more obvious. Like why didn't I have even more Supreme confidence yeah. in Jamar chase? Um, Cause I still had in my head like, Oh, CD lamb was the top prospect the year before he's going seventh, eighth round in drafts. You know, Jamar chase is now going in the fourth round. Like this is getting a little too crazy. Is there meat on this bone? And it's like, Holy cow. He was out producing the guy who had like the best rookie season ever. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get that again. We probably never will, you know, or I mean, I mean, there's a, there's so many examples of that, but like AJ Brown and DK Metcalf both coming in and being stars, Right. And like AJ Brown, like doubled him up in some stats in the games they played together in college. That's because AJ Brown's just that good. I mean, he's that, he made DK Metcalf's profile look worse because he's, he did. He made DK Metcalf look like a boom bust lotto ticket. Yeah. He so made. Uh, wait, who was that? How am I blanking on his name? Who was the? Uh, was it Doriel Green Beckham? That's how. Yeah, yeah. That was what yeah, I was right. worried about for Beck. Uh, for Metcalf, so I was like, oh, this is that guy all over again. I can barely remember his name. That's uh, his name. <laughs> Sam actually points. Out, I said we'd never get it again. We're probably literally going to get it again next year. Jackson Smith and Jigba is like, pull up his profile, Ben. It's like it's wild. He. He I keep like hearing that be... it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, pull it up. Um, Garrett Wilson, right? Not going to be Justin Jefferson because, I mean, who's going to be Justin Jefferson? But Garrett Wilson looks really strong. You also have Chris Olave who looks like maybe kind of like he's Marquise Brown, Garrett Wilson's CeeDee Lamb, but then Jackson Smith and Jigba might be Jamar Chase, and they're okay. all playing together. JSN only had a 26 dominator rating this year. I mean, 32% yards. I thought you're gonna. I thought I was gonna see like 35% even. But he's playing with two other first round picks. Is what you're saying? Yeah, but it's he also had really 1,605 yards. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, the that's that's for something. That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the LSU thing where like the, the, the actual dominator rating doesn't look good enough because they threw for so many yards. His yeah. end of season box score is just absolutely silly look at this string of games starting in, in november 240 <laughs> yards td 139 td 105 td 127 and then in the rose bowl 347 yards in three and i mean look yards. at the receptions like yeah. that's, that's even like nine plus every game and 15 twice like that is it's not easy to put up 15 receptions in a game no <laughs> And he's also getting loose for big plays. I mean, look at the the yeah the length on these yeah. passes. It's just man, he's gonna be. Fun he also like catch. when you put on the highlight, he has like some sick catches. He had his catch as a freshman where he like caught it in the back of the end, so he got his feet and bounced somehow. Um, so what is his like stylistic comp like at this size? Because this is still a pretty small build relative. 
to a lot of. NFL I mean, I mean, he's he's similar size to Jamar Chase. He's similar size to. I guess he's a little shorter than Justin Jefferson, but I think Justin Jefferson was like slightly over two hundred pounds. Yeah. CD Lamb. Um, is DJ Moore is, bigger than that? He's like two ten. That's who I was DJ Moore is like two ten, but DJ I think he's six feet. Yeah. Yeah, they're both like That's six a good feet. One. I think. I think they're sort of similar, Jason Moore. <laughs> His stylistic comp is Garrett Wilson. <laughs> That's what uh, Tommy says. <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, Sam says we're on a slippery slope to becoming a Debbie podcast. I don't think so. I think we're allowed to talk about next year's wide receiver one without this being yeah. a Debbie podcast. <laughs> I promise you, it's it'll start to become a very short podcast if it's a Debbie podcast. Well, do you want we'll to pull up? You want to demonetize this and uh, pull sure. up Jackson Smith? Let's sure. demonetize this. <laughs> I love that the stylistic comp is his teammate because it's exactly yeah. what we do with Alabama. Like, like all the <laughs> Alabama receivers are the same. Like, Jay Waddle is Henry Ruggs and all this stuff. Here we go. There goes Pat. Um, no, I need I need a tighter edit. I can't be doing a 12-minute edit. Come on, give me the good stuff, YouTube. Where's my guy? Where's my editor that I loved? How about bad heat creations? That sounds promising. Let's see this here. Um, Cook's mix is only 218 views, uh, 35k views. Whatever. We're gonna go. We'll go with. We'll go with this one. Bad heat creations. Let's see if we. Got to get a little theme music going. I think the best thing that Jackson Smith and Jigba does is run routes. This guy is sudden, and you never know where he's going until he's already there. He's a mark of a great route runner. Watch that stop on the dime. State football, but people no. talk about him like he's just. Like, that's, I mean, he doesn't that's look the, that fast. Like. Player. Which isn't doesn't really matter. This is the cat no! I'm talking about. No, that's a sick play. His entire I believe body. He was a freshman when he did this. That looks like a catch. That's a not. Touchdown. How does he get his foot back in on that? I freaking love that complete. stuff. That's that's that DeAndre Hopkins. Clearly a touchdown. Clearly a touchdown. He's not that fast. I mean, he's not like four three. He's obviously a good athlete, but yeah, he's probably like four 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 five. And because he's not big either, is all I'm saying. Like, obviously, the athleticism stuff does not matter as much as the production, but it's kind of interesting. This was kind of the chase conversation too, right? It's like, well, well, Chase would be nice like if he was more three. like two fifteen. Yeah. But Chase is like a 4-3. Didn't he test out of, out of this world? Or what is he, 4-4? Four, four? Yeah, I think he's like 4-4. Four, four. I, I feel like Chase is faster than JSN. Yeah, I, I agree. It does even, like the way they use him in this offense does feel like how the Bengals were using Jamar Chase at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of myself. That's he reminds me a lot of myself. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, who does does you guys remind you remind you guys of anyone? No, I'm not really. I mean, like Keenan Allen, kind of, which is not meant to be a dig, but like definitely like faster and more sudden than Keenan yeah. after the catch. But like body body size, I guess, because he is kind of he is kind of slender and like not tall, you know? right? He's definitely obviously running different routes in Keenan and has a different play style than Keenan, but that's who I was thinking of. That's all right. It's interesting. A couple more. All right, have to end it before we become a Debbie podcast. (laughs) So, just a last note on him. I I think you know we should probably give Garrett Wilson a little bit more credit than we otherwise might. He had a twenty nine percent dominator rating this past year while sharing the field with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave, who could potentially be a first round pick, maybe a second round pick. So um, Wilson is just someone who I, I think the numbers are, are just like going to have to miss on. Like the numbers couldn't possibly know the context that, you know, Ohio of this Ohio state passing core. Yeah. Look at you. The chat is so uh, we have, He's Garrett Wilson, but a little worse route runner. Doug says, remember, everyone looks good in highlight vids. Casey wants us to replay this when he becomes Nikhil Harry. I mean, good God. Wow. You guys are so, Wait, you got to go up a little higher because somebody compared him to Jer- uh, Jerry Rice. I was just scrolling up. So we got that. Yeah, we, we, we don't highlight the good stuff. Only the, only the bad guys. <laughs> Jerry uh, Rice geez. is a reasonable comp as far as talking about sort of the, the play style and stuff that we're talking about. Not obviously, I don't know how you comp anything to Jerry Rice, but what we're doing is we're pumping your future uh, 101 uh, dynasty pick bags. If you want exit liquidity on those, we keep talking about uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba here. Um, let's see. What about we, here's here's one that's uh, what about like a, a, a thicker Devontae Smith? Okay. Yeah. You can see that. Do you know who, honestly, like just his body type, and I know he's not as tall as him, but he looked like Robbie Anderson to me. Like his. his oh, build. yeah. I yeah. Can see that too. Yeah. I could see that too. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, to, to, oh, sorry. I thought you were saying Garrett Wilson, uh, but a worse round. Yeah. That I, th- I thought that was a, a slamming him. Wouldn't that be implying that he's not as good as Garrett Wilson? It's possible he's not. It's possible he's not as good as Garrett Wilson. It'll be really interesting to see his next season. I mean, that's that. Like, yeah, we know what he did with these guys. If he comes out and has another twenty-six dominator rating, like people are not going to be as excited this time next year. Yep, that's right. <clears throat> Let's see. What do you? Uh, Eighteen hundred yards. I think we'll get over it. <laughs> ben, let's uh, let's wrap up with a little uh, Omni. Uh, talk. I know uh, most of my drafts are somewhere in the eighth, ninth, uh, tenth rounds, chugging along here. What's uh, the state of the union on Omni right now? It's good, man. Next Tuesday is the first, the, the second leg, uh, second legs of the round of sixteen for the Champions League start, and so that's when we'll we'll get our first official points for this year because mm. 
whoever advances from those second legs will be in the final eight of the champions league. So we, when we draft there's 16 teams left in champions league. Um, so we will be starting to have finalized results next Tuesday and Wednesday and then the following Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the big, that, that continues to like, there's like month gaps between all the stages of the champions league that continues to stretch all the way until like June. I think the, the big first contest around the corner also is March Madness, obviously, and then that ends in, in early April. That's the first sport to finalize. But, yeah, the drafts are all ongoing. We did the the big Omni Cup thing with the, the ship chasing cup. There's the three drafts that we're all doing, which is going to be great. But then we have uh, the big Omni Cup thing that I think a lot of the listeners are in. There's 144 people in it, 12 teams of 12. All those drafts are at least in – Wherever Pat's draft has made it to, because that's the one that's been bringing up the rear, uh, <laughs> at least in the seventh. Yeah, they're they're about to finish the seventh. We got some drafts that have, for that Omni Cup that have already reached the eleventh round, and that started last Thursday. Wait, so I'm in the slow really... one for the Omni Cup too, as well as the ship chasing. Yeah, Cup? yeah I'm wondering what the common you. variable it's is. You. There. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to tell what the common variable is. <laughs> um. Gretch, how what's the chatter? Because this does seem to be one of the biggest keys to Omni drafting right now is how you're thinking about the MLB season. Have you, I assume, yeah. is, is there anything structurally that you have to worry I don't, about? If this I don't think I've, I don't think I put it in the rules actually, which I should have, but 2020 was a weird one where we had a bunch of like money leagues that you had college basketball, uh, yeah, college basketball in the Euro, which is like, you know, we're doing World Cup this year. It's their, you know, European soccer championship that's every four years. Got canceled. And it's kind of tough when you have two sports get canceled. And pe- some people took them early. Some took them late. We didn't know what to do with it. A lot of the leagues I was in, uh, I was kind of rattled because I won, like, three of my Omni I had, like, five, and I won three of them. But we, we decided just, like, we couldn't pay out, basically. Um, mm, easy oh, choice geez. for other people to make when they didn't win. But uh, um, <laughs> let's not pay Ben. <laughs> what we decided, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what we decided for the future years um, at that time, and again, I don't know if I put in the rules, but it's like now we're just going to establish that if something happens and a sport can't be played, like everyone can zero. So that's just the way that it is. Like that's that's what yeah. we. There's no other that's way around it other way. than it's the only fair way. You're taking on whatever risk you want. We knew about the lockout when we were drafting. I personally still think it's 95 percent or higher that the MLB has a World Series this year. Like they've canceled two series. Maybe they cancel some months. That's still another big step forward. But once they start canceling months and we get into the summer and they're supposed to have the center stage and they're not playing baseball in June and stuff, are they really going to carry that all the way through six months of, you know, the baseball season is so long. I, I, I'm of the mind that we're going to have a, at least a shortened season, even if they make it to like June and they're locked out. Can you guys see a scenario where they really cancel this whole year? I mean, that seems crazy to me. That seems crazy. Especially because like so. baseball's not in a position to be canceling seasons. Mm-mm. no no <laughs> you need I mean, every season if anything you should be having two seasons because if, if you cancel <laughs> if you cancel baseball you're like that kid that went away for camp and never come back and like everyone just yeah. kind of forgets that you ever existed in the first place so like yeah. i mean it might just people be- are gonna find something else to do in the summer <laughs> than going to baseball games and they're not going back <laughs> I mean, that's GG for baseball if they take a year off. It's, I mean, yeah, do yeah. not take a year off baseball. I got to think by the time we get to June, July, those summer months where, like, ba- there's not a lot going on in the sports world other than baseball. Like, we, we're we going to see baseball. <laughs> like, they can't, they can't not figure that out. 
Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, if it does get canceled, I'm, you know, I'm just making it clear here. Like it will be zeros for everyone. I've been taking a bunch of MLB players reasonably early or teams reasonably early too. So yeah, I took them reasonably early as well. The, um, I guess because there was kind of a value there. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I honestly keep forgetting because every time I go to look at the available positions, I'm like, oh, the, the Mets look like a decent value here. I'm like, oh, yeah, baseball might not happen. That's why they're still here. Um, what any other trends, Ben, across the leagues that have surprised you so far? Or is it kind of going along expected points? I haven't really dug a ton. Yeah, it's been going along expected points. Um <laughs> We, I think we, we've talked about the Chargers in a few places as an interesting futures bet. Uh, maybe on this show, I, I know me and Sean talked about it on Stealing Bananas a little bit. I see the Chargers go like six picks earlier than their expected points in every draft I've been now. And I'm like, God damn it, I had to go and open my mouth. <laughs> I can't even pick the Chargers. I have, I have not been able to take them in any draft. They go really early. Uh, I, I saw them go ahead of the Bengals, who have much higher odds. Um, I, I, the, the Bengals are in a similar spot with a rookie quarterback. And like, I think I would take the Bengals straight up. They're the team that was just in the Super Bowl. but I mean, I, I get it. I get taking the, the chargers as well, but, uh, that's been an interesting one. I don't know, man. Uh, as far as trends, it's been, it'll be fun to dig into once we've looked at it a little more. So can I ask you guys, cause I'm, I, I well, I probably did three last year or something, maybe, maybe four, but. I'm in four right now simultaneously. And I said last week that it's like, hey, look, if you took like, you know, this Champions League team in one draft, maybe take another one in the other draft. I've completely abandoned that strategy. <laughs> and I'm just taking the same teams in every single <laughs> one of these drafts. Because <laughs> I'm like, I did the research. I know I like this team. I have Brazil in every single draft. I'm just it. like, I'm rooting for Brazil this summer. Let's yeah. go. I mean, uh, I love that. Bonita. That's uh, when I was saying uh, uh, 2020 was the first year we built the, we had the site and, and had built it out. I didn't do any of the building. Shout out Kevin's at Lucal. And I had a couple players like that, Pat, and, and they hit like Dustin Johnson that year was like the sixth golfer or something because he had a bad 2019, but he was still like good. And I took him in like the sixth round of a bunch of drafts and he won the 80 for golf. And I was like, Nice. It was, I mean, it was huge, like across multiple leagues, you know? So it's it's really similar to fantasy football. Like, do you want to put all your eggs in one basket or not? I don't think it's bad. Like, you're still going to be a little bit different. Turns out, yes. different teams. <laughs> Turns out I'm going all in on the on Brazil. I find I'm myself in the same spot, dude. I have taken, uh, I've taken the same, like, NASCAR drivers multiple times. Because I read yep. somewhere that they, they were, they had, like, lowered the horsepower the last two years. But they brought it back up. Anyone who knows NASCAR is listening to this and pounding the table about how stupid I sound. But I, I, I had this idea in my head that the guys that were good before two years ago, that haven't done so good, good the last couple of years, might bounce back. Like Kyle Busch is an example of that. Hasn't done as good the last couple no. of years. But he, he got drafted early in one of the drafts that I'm in. He got drafted like right. three spots ahead of his expected points. Maybe someone knows something. I took him in a couple of drafts. I took like Denny Hamlin and these old school dudes. Uh, and I did that as well with um, hockey. I keep taking the same freaking hockey teams. I have like yeah. Carolina and a couple of them that are looking good. So oh, I, I, I've been drafting Carolina. I, yeah. I think I took Let's Carolina. Go Let's go. Hurricanes. Hurricanes. All right. Hurricanes yes. are the ship chasing team. Yes. Play the clip. Do you, <laughs> do you guys do the thing where if like someone uh, makes a pick outside of the expected points, you're like, what the fuck do they know that I don't? Like yeah, every yes. time oh, I yeah. see them, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. they, they know something. 
Um, and I also, it's funny too, like this happens where I always use the example, like read a New York times article, you know, many years ago about DFS and you're like, yeah, that's kind of portrayed wrong, or that's not actually how this works or whatever. And then you think about all the other things you read and just take as truth because it's in a paper of record yeah. or whatever. That's how I am with the expected points. And then I look at the NFL ones and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this. There's holes yeah. there. They actually have, and then I'm like, but I'll just blindly tail the expected points in any other thing. And I'm like, think about all the holes <laughs> probably you could poke in this guy I'm picking right and now. And another thing I want to say, and I should have done this before, but I've been trying to keep up with the Omni Cup drafts, which there's 12 of them, and I'm in four of my own, like Pat was saying. So I think I'm in, I think I'm tracking like 15 drafts, but I need to update the expected points. They're like a couple of weeks old now. There has been some shifts in sports. So just uh -oh. heads up to anyone listening oh, to the show. No. There's some. Some free alpha, as the boys said. You might want to actually go look at the futures odds. Expected points are based on the Pete loves it. I got yeah. rugged. I got rugged by these stale <laughs> <standard> <laughs> points. Uh, the expected points are based on sims that are run on the futures odds. If the futures odds shift, the expected points would look different. Well, see, that's so, why. Listen, everyone's like, "Oh, you got to make your picks." And me and Liam, we get it. You sit on the clock because you wait until the expected points get updated. You see, we now we have more information. <laughs> I mean, I should do it. I'll try to do it tomorrow or something. But it's going to shift, especially like uh, hockey, college basketball, NBA. Not so much. They don't usually get shit like huge shifts in their futures odds, but probably some. But uh, hockey, there's been some shifts for sure, and uh, and college basketball definitely. There's been some shifts. Oh, has there? Because um, I've been drafting extremely blindly off of the college basketball expected yeah. points. I mean, Except like, that I, I looked up Auburn has losses. like a. What's that? I, I just want, oh. like, I, I saw that Auburn has a guy that's going to be like a very high NBA draft pick. So I've just been hammering this shit out of Auburn. So Auburn <laughs> is one of the teams that lost God some season games. And so then their seed could be a little worse. Oh, no. They're still up there. They're tied for How's the Purdue doing? best odds now. And they're okay. they're tied for fourth best expected points, so they're not way off. Purdue's moved up from oh, our yeah. expected points. They just lost last night to uh, Wisconsin, though. Oh, that, they bounced back. Game. So they're fourth, and they're tied for fourth here. They're they're similar. It's not like Fix major sight, shifts at the top. Fix your sight. I know. I got it. <laughs> it's it's not major shifts at the top. I would say once you get to like the eighth to fifteenth college basketball teams, if you're kind of waiting until the late rounds, there are some teams that are um have moved up mm, like uh yeah. let's see i mean I'll i mean providence has been on fire too since these were updated i know they, but they haven't their odds have not improved that much they're still 71 on DraftKings. i'm looking at it right now 70 to one but uh tennessee's up to 35 to one that puts them one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven they're 12th best odds on our site they're like 15th to 18th or something so i mean when when we update the expected points tennessee is going to come way up i mean it wouldn't it might look weird now to draft this team that has low expected points, um, you know, as the 12th best, the 12th best college basketball team, but like it's going to update. We're going to update the expected points at a certain point. So Alpha yeah, leak. I, go, go look at the actual futures odds. If you're not sure about, you know, some of these sports, I'm getting very angry with the chat. Uh, we've got a comment here. Auburn has two guards that refuse to pass the future number one pick. LOL. That doesn't sound great. And then also Spinsby <laughs> says Purdue also a notoriously underperforming 20 team. So I'm just hammering. These are the two teams. I don't think I've taken any other teams but these teams because uh, they, they tend to stick around probably for good reasons. 
I took Purdue me, in the fifth round a few years ago, and they got me zero. And they were like they, they were like one of the top NCAA teams that regular season. And I don't think I've gotten over it. So I mean, the, you a year from now. And I will say too. I mean, the, the futures odds are are obviously important, but I would say seeding for NCAA of across yeah. a lot of them is the more meaningless. You're not getting home field advantage. You know, the teams you're playing, you know, are roughly the same caliber. So I don't know. Well, the only it. reason, yeah, I agree with that. The biggest thing for me is the one seeds. I, I have poked in on and tried to keep an, an eye on like if the one seed line is changing what in all these bracketologies that people are looking at, because the 16 seeds are obviously the sort of just walkthroughs. We've had one ever win there. And then the eight nines, I feel like the seven ten game, we get more seven two upsets than eight nine ones. I'm guessing. I don't actually know that for sure. But it feels like the ones a lot of times can kind of, if they're good enough, walk into the Sweet 16, and then they're essentially one game away from uh, the Elite Eight where you get points. I right. mean, that it's not a home field advantage thing. It's more about the seeding thing where it's like they, the one seeds do have sort of an advantage in that regard. Yeah. Can I? Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just curious how you guys have been treating like flexing and doubling up because I, I, as I did this, I, uh, I didn't know if this was a good strategy or bad strategy, but I just did it. In the sixth, I took Auburn, and in the seventh, I took Purdue. And those are like, I think, the fourth and fifth or the third and fourth teams on the list, something like that. So, you know, maybe is that too early to where you'd be doing that? Because I also thought about doing it even earlier, like I think maybe the fifth and sixth or even the fourth and fifth or something. I was going to take the two top MLS teams, but I just took one. My thing with the early flexes is I'm definitely willing to do it in the sports where you feel more comfortable projecting the final eight. Like one of the ones that's really interesting for early flexes is NASCAR because like they'll, but it's a little bit different now because there are like some of the old guys haven't done as well the last couple of years or some new guys, but there's typically been like a a top eight to 10 drivers. And the final eight usually is from that group because they're kind of like the lead drivers on their teams and all this stuff. And so if you know, you're going to like kind of bank points, and also get two shots at getting the 80 because they, they have a final race where only four guys qualify for and whoever wins that race out of those four is the winner. And um, NCAA would be one of the ones that I would uh, strongly not. And, and then probably MLS would be the second most likely <laughs> well, that I would strongly I not flex early. <laughs> the two that it's really hard to I'm predict learning. the final eight. I'm learning. <laughs> Historically, yeah. they're they're tough to predict the final eight. The odds are well. The odds are you know I avoided one of the rookie mistakes. <laughs> Pat's like I've been drafting the same two MLS teams in every single one of these. <laughs> no one knows. You just take the top two MLS teams on the one-two turn and you print money. <laughs> and I mean the other just uh, it kind of goes to how um, I don't know the same we th- we think about best ball strategy right like if you use an early draft pick on you know Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes like you're not wanting to load up on more quarterbacks I do think in a lot of these sports like if I'm using my pick on like the top one or two like I've made my big bet and I don't necessarily want to like hedge against a really big position yeah. where I'd rather take shots on you know six seven <clears throat> seed where I don't have a top guy that's what I that's what I do. So- I use my flexes a lot of times in the middle rounds on sports that I don't love the top picks for. Like hockey's a good example. A lot of times mm-hmm. the very top teams, I mean, they they actually have, I think the Lightning have been the top Omni pick the last two years and won both years. They're the two-time defending champs. But like the the eighth hockey team and the 10th hockey team can win the title. And so I'll probably take a couple in that range. And like, then I'm like, I got, you know, and I, I a lot of times. So I'm what, what rounds would that be? Kind of like early double digit? 
it depends kind of on the draft, but yeah, probably yeah. or a little bit earlier than that, maybe. But I'm kind of like, I okay. want two teams in the tournament for hockey because we have an idea on the regular season standings, like who's going to be in. And I, I kind of often do two separate conferences as well, which I'm sure a lot of people when they're flexing are thinking about like, now there's still at least a scenario where I can, my two teams can meet in the championship and I can get the 80 and the 50. Whereas if you take both from the Western conference that they at best are going to meet in their conference championship. Right. Um, baseball is another one like that, that I like to do a couple and, and MLS, I like to flex, but I like to wait and flex you like, like wait, the 10th yeah. best team or the 11th best team in, in a little bit later rounds. Uh, another one said, how many points have you needed to win historically? I've gotten that question a couple of times. We added some sports, like we added F1, which puts more points in the player pool. But historically, on like a 12-team league, you're looking at like 300 to 350. I think this year, like probably on the 350 side, we'll win the 12-team leagues. Somebody's going to really hit. Last year, Paul won our ship chasing cup. I think he was at 470. 480 or 470. Yeah, I just yeah. pulled it up. Oh, that's not the screen I wanted to share. That's the stream yard itself. <laughs> uh getting sleepy <laughs> uh, don't share the stream yard <laughs> uh yeah that so that one's probably not representative of but of the if you want to win you the, have the actual cup, draft the what he did yeah if you're in the omni cup i think someone's probably going to hit 500 the big, pull the big board oh the draft breakdown nope the big board i think is you can get a team. yeah that's it he had he hit on 12 of his 18 picks was the cool thing he only had Holy six shit. zeros so he Paul painted smash this yeah yeah and I think that's tough to do, but I think <laughs> he got a little bit unlucky. Is it not? In, yeah, in terms of high scoring, I wouldn't say unlucky, but like he, like some of these teams could have potentially gotten even a little bit further. Like he could have had another runner up and and boosted a few more points. Like I think we'll have a five hundred pointer, is what I'm saying. There also was an F one in this contest. There is this year, so there's more points available. I think we're gonna have at least one five hundred pointer. It might be five fifty that you need to to win the whole thing. So, like, in the Omni Cup, I haven't been flexing as much early as I normally do in smaller leagues because I'm, like, I'm trying to get every 80. Get the nuts, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I like um, the addition of F1. I think it's made the the first-round picks a little stronger. That is true, that the first round, it it did seem like there was more of a cliff last year. Right. It pushed stuff towards the turn and stuff, right? Yeah. That was sort of my yeah. feeling. That's why I kind of like leaving it in after doing my first one with my college buddies. Because th- I think I mentioned this: three F one drivers won the first four picks. But then when you were picking mm-hmm. later, you're like, it's a sixteen team draft that one, and there was still like good picks at sixteen. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't hate that. I mean, if people want to really hammer the the top heavy sport, then it pushes stuff down. And you can get the Dodgers at sixteen. Okay, great. You know, like they're the top baseball team. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, it sounds good. It, it sounds like, I mean, uh, you guys are going to probably do a show with me uh, without me next week. You'll probably be wrapped up with most of these drafts by then. I would hope so. Unless Pat and Liam have other ideas. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> most of the drafts will be wrapped up for sure. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. And anyone who's listening, um, if you want to start your own draft, go for it. The two things I would say, one, you, you either want to try to draft pretty quick and get done before next Tuesday or two, maybe consider not using Champions League because there's going to be results finalizing like probably during your draft. But broadly, we are kind of reaching the end of Omni draft season. You know, we'll probably check in with some updates over time, but this has sort of been our, our Omni month and, and we'll probably be back with it like next February, you know. Hey, life will come by. We'll come at you fast. I, I, uh, I actually do think like, you know, obviously watching the sports and everything, you know, that, that's one of the ben- the benefits of doing Omni. You get to like have 
some stake in the sports. But I actually think doing the research on some of the sports is, is part of the fun too. So Definitely. I really enjoyed I've enjoyed Omni Month. Yeah, for sure. I've had fun. I've been uh co-managing the uh ship chasing cup uh team with Willis and uh it's been fun to bounce uh ideas off of him as well and to to load up on some teams that you actually are excited to uh to root for especially Brazil, the world baby. cup that has been one of the the teams or uh leagues that i've wanted to have a couple just because i'm like it'd be fun to have a couple horses for the world cup yeah so, like, i actually i did you kind of box yourself out when you take brazil in every league and then you don't <laughs> want to like you know well world cup's <laughs> interesting because i mean historically the winners i mean World Cup and Euro and some of the other soccer tournaments, historically the winners are from the top countries. Like it, it, yeah. you don't usually see massive upsets, but almost every one you do see someone make a run. Like in Euro last year, we had uh-huh. Denmark make the semis. Euro before that, or maybe it was two before that, we had like Wales. I remember when they had uh, Gareth Bale. I know a little bit about soccer. He made the run. Uh, he helped Wales make the run to the semis. In the last World Cup, we had Croatia go all the way to the final. They almost did win it, but France won it over Croatia. Oh, yeah. Do I remember that Croatia year. Yeah. That was sweet. Luka Modric, yeah, was, I think. Is yeah. Yeah. Like Modric. Nash. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really fun year. So that is a fun one to have a top horse or you're going for the 80 and also maybe take a late. And a dark you know, horse. Like yeah. I took I took Uruguay in, in my first one, and I'm kind of stoked about them potentially they still have to get in, which is part of why their odds are so long, but they're, they're pretty good. I think about them potentially making a, you know, a final eight run. You can, you can pick team countries like that. And a lot of them are good enough to potentially make a final eight run. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out some dark horses. If anyone knows of dark horses, let me know. Cause I don't know. Anything. <laughs> That's why I took Brazil. He's, That's he's why I took Brazil. Back partly why I took them. <laughs> Cause it was like, Brazil's good. I, I read about yeah. Brazil. They've got like, you know, they, they can score. They've got like, strikers and stuff i think they're they're like backfield or whatever is like aging it's not as good as it used to be i'm like great please goal, goals are all i want so it's it, yeah. it does explain why i've been wa- waking up to these dms from you where you just say ronaldinho bitch and i'm like <laughs> what yeah 35 um so yes, these guys will be back uh, next Wednesday without me to recap uh, Omni, and I'll see whatever what else you guys get up to. But most importantly, it means you guys get a Pat Corain thumbnail next. Yeah, Wednesday. exactly. I mean, you don't have to tell people that you won't be here next week because they're <laughs> gonna see on the thumbnail <laughs> that you are not here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it basically has come out now to about twice a year. I normally go on a trip in March and take a little time off in the summer. And that's when Pat dusts off his MS Paint skills. So I get, I get in the lab, baby. It's I'm gonna excited. be good. I already have an idea for this one. I'm excited. I, I can't. I can't wait to see that. Uh, <laughs> anything else uh, coming up from you guys, uh, Ben and Sean, pumping out stealing uh, bananas episodes? I was on one last week talking best ball. That was a lot of fun. Uh, anything else? Killer coming? episode. If anybody hasn't heard that, Pete crushed it. That was very fun. Um, any, anything else from you, Graj, Pat, any prospect articles coming? Uh, we are going to be doing tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Eric Froton, who's at the combine. And we're going to be talking about the workouts that, uh, are taking place tomorrow. Uh, so that that podcast I'm recording at 1130 tomorrow night and we're going to get it out. So check your, check your podcast feed Friday morning we will be discussing the the workouts from Thursday. Awesome. 
And also put in uh, a plug, uh, hop in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, uh, whether you're uh, ship chasing VIP, get access to that channel. Also have a general best ball channel. We got dynasty channels in there. We got the Omni channel, all kinds of stuff. Uh, If you're playing fantasy, uh, there's probably a channel in there for you. Appreciate you guys hanging out as always on a Wednesday night. Good luck in your Omni drafts. Good luck with your Debbie chasing. Good luck with your underdog drafts. We will see you next time.